Does truth exist? Because you have faith, does that make this book true? Does God exist? So when someone says there is no truth, if you apply the claim to itself, what should you say? Is that true? They don't think Christianity is true. They're talked out of it. You know why they're talked out of it? Because they've never been talked into it. Cross-examining skeptical and atheistic views. Welcome to Cross-Examine with Dr. Frank Turek. Have you noticed that there are many contradictions in many liberal positions? Well, of course you have. You listen to American Family Radio. How could you not recognize that there are contradictions in many liberal positions? In fact, that's one reason maybe you listen to this program and others here on American Family Radio and the American Family Radio Network. Now, contradictions indicate that there is a major problem with the worldview putting, putting, being put forth. Major problems with the worldview in question. Uh, have you also noticed, by the way, that when you point out these contradictions, some people won't acknowledge them, but will live in denial and they'll just merely shout their position louder. It's, it's as if they want to ignore the fact that they ha- there's this internal or external contradiction in their worldview, in their position, and... They just don't even want to be confused by the facts. They just want to hang on to that worldview, regardless of how incorrect it seems, how contradictory it seems. They just shout louder. Now, why is that? Why do people do that? That's what we're going to talk about today. And we're going to talk about it in the context of contradictions I've noticed in the LGBTQ movement. Contradictions in the movement. And in fact, Blaise Pascal at one point put it this way. He said, people almost invariably arrive at their beliefs, not on the basis of proof, but on the basis of what they find attractive. So when we ask the question, when you point out a contradiction, say in the LGBTQ movement or any other particular worldview movement, and people just shout louder and they don't acknowledge it, or they just say, oh yeah, well what about this? Or what about that? Or they keep moving the goalposts. In other words, they keep trying to say, well, but you haven't answered this problem or that problem, or they don't, they ignore the problem, they get off the subject, they go to something that they think is wrong about your worldview rather than addressing the problem in their worldview. Pascal says that's because people would rather believe what they find attractive than actually what is true. As you know, the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 1 said that we suppress the truth and unrighteousness to go our own way, that we'd rather hold on to our idols what we think is going to make us happy rather than acknowledge and acquiesce to the truth so we're going to suppress the truth to go our own way now ladies and gentlemen many who are christians listening to this program this particular point is a double-edged sword what do i mean by that what i mean by that is if you're going to say that people just follow what they find attractive in most cases rather than what really is true Is that true about you? Is that true about Christianity and most Christians? Are Christians just believing what they believe because they find it attractive rather than having evidence that it's true? Because if you're going to say that's the case with an atheist or somebody in the LGBTQ movement or whatever group you're talking about, I mean, it could equally apply to you, right? And unfortunately, 
I do see many Christians not knowing why they believe what they believe. And, of course, that's why many of them, when they go off to college, hear what they think could be an argument against Christianity. And since they're unarmed intellectually to defend Christianity, they begin to doubt and they wind up walking away from the faith because they don't have good reasons as to why it's true. Now, what are some of these contradictions? And by the way, we're live today, so maybe later in the program we'll take your phone calls and any contradictions you might see in the movement. Or if you want to push back and say, no, Frank, I think you're wrong on this, you can call us at 888-589-8840. 888-589-8840. You're listening to Cross-Examine with Frank Turek of the American Family Radio Network. We present evidence for Christianity. We cross-examine ideas against it. And if you want to cross-examine me on an issue, that's fine, too. We're, we're, we're open here. So give us a call, and a little bit later we'll get you on the air. Here's one of the contradictions I I notice the movement seems to say and when I say the movement uh, this is you got to be careful here because not everybody who identifies as LGBTQ agrees with everything that say the same-sex or homosexual activists put forth uh, say the human rights campaign the misnamed human rights campaign the group out there that's uh, that's putting pressure on companies and businesses and sports leagues to acquiesce to whatever they want to do that group doesn't represent everybody who identifies that way but certainly a a good a good number of of the folks who identify that way do agree with these kinds of of tactics and agree with these kinds of positions and one of the things that you'll get out of the political movement of the lgbtq is they'll say well there are no differences between men and women in fact that's why you know we've got to have these gender neutral bathrooms and and uh we uh we just got to get rid of all gender distinctions because there are no differences between men and women. Here's the contradiction. Except when they demand the right to marry people of the same sex because, you see, people of the opposite sex are just too different than people of the same sex. I mean, why would you be arguing for same-sex marriage if you thought that there were no gender distinctions? Why would you even be, why would you even be saying, oh, we need to marry somebody of the same sex? If somebody of the opposite sex isn't really different from somebody of the same sex. You see, the entire movement on one hand says there are no gender distinctions. And on the other hand says the gender distinctions are so great that we have to have this special thing called same-sex marriage. It's a contradiction. Either there are gender differences or there aren't. Now, if there's anything that's obvious, there are gender differences. We wouldn't be here if there weren't. But that's a contradiction. Of course, another contradiction... And I guess you could call this hypocrisy more than a contradiction, uh, is to say that they will say, well, you ought not judge me for what I do. Who are you to judge? You ought not judge me for what I do. Except when they in the LGBTQ movement judge you for what you do. You see, you're an ignorant, intolerant bigot for supporting your political goals rather than mine and for refusing to celebrate my same-sex marriage, they say. Now, who's being judgmental here? <laughs> as, as you know, ladies and gentlemen, on this program, we pointed out several times that to say you ought not judge is, in fact, a judgment. And Jesus never told people not to judge. He said, judge not lest you be judged. By the same standard you judge others, you'll be judged by that standard. So before you try and take the speck out of your brother's eye, take the log out of your own eye first, then you'll be able to help your brother. Now, Jesus is not telling us not to judge. He's telling us to take the speck out of our brother's eye. That involves making a judgment. He's simply saying get the problem out of your life first so you can better help your brother. It would be complete suicide to say don't make judgments because the very claim don't make judgment is a judgment itself. And everybody makes judgments 
If the LGBTQ political movement wants to say don't make judgments, then why are they making judgments? Everybody makes judgments. It's, it's impossible not to make judgments. The only question is, are your judgments true? That's the only question. Are they true? Do they correspond to reality? Or do you wind up with this contradictory mess of contradictions? Now, that's kind of redundant, isn't it? <laughs> contradictory mess of contradictions. When you get this worldview full of contradictions... As I see in the LGBTQ movement, this worldview that their identity is in what they think of themselves sexually. When you get those contradictions, you get a sea of contradictions. Because they're trying to say, do as I say, not as I do. Don't judge me, but I can judge you. And then they'll say, well, you should be intolerant or people shouldn't be intolerant. They should be tolerant. You should be tolerant. Of course, they say that, except when they are intolerant of you and your position. When the LGBTQ movement people are intolerant of what you believe. When they want to force you to participate in a same-sex marriage. When they want to force you to bake a cake for a same-sex wedding. When they want to force you to cater their wedding or... They want to force you to photograph their commitment service or whatever it is. See, they're not tolerant of your position. You must be brought into agreement with what they want to do. But they don't have to be brought in agreement to with, with, what, what you want to do. It's a one-way street. Tolerance is a one-way street for many in the LGBTQ movement. In fact, I've noticed people who say they're fighting for tolerance are often the most intolerant people out there. All right, you're listening to Cross-Examine with Frank Turek of the American Family Radio Network. Our phone number this morning, 888-589-8840. 888-589-8840. Website, crossexamined.org. Cross-Examined with a D on the end of it. More contradictions in the LGBTQ movement in two. After crossing the Jordan River into the Promised Land... God instructed the children of Israel to take stones from the river and make a memorial. When their future children would say, what do these stones mean? The parents would recount the Lord's deliverance of Israel from slavery and Israel's arrival in the promised land. In each of our lives, there are events that ought to be remembered, events where the Lord moved and delivered us. Whether we use stones, photos, or special celebrations, it matters only that we take time to remember what the Lord has done and pass that testimony on to future generations. Since 1977, the American Family Association has been informing, equipping, and activating individuals to strengthen the moral foundations of America. The Lord has given us many victories over the years that laid the foundation for our work today and into the future. Learn more at AFA.net. Listen to Mark Twain's advice about getting a physical checkup. He said the average heart specialist can usually check the condition of a patient's heart simply by sending him a bill. There might be a grain of medical truth in that, but there is a spiritual application as well. The way we react to life's surprises and crises says a lot about the spiritual condition of our heart. Jesus said it is not what goes into us, but what comes out of our heart that makes us spiritually unclean. Today, pray the prayer of King David, who prayed, Search me, O God, and know my heart. This is David Jeremiah encouraging you to get on the road to new life. Discover God's diagnosis of your heart on Route 66. Route 66, driving the word home. 
Log on to Route66life.com and get your roadmap for life. Route 66. Start your journey home today. to cross-examine with Frank Turek on the American Family Radio Network. If you're low on the FM dial looking for NPR, go no further. We're actually going to tell you the truth here. That's our intent anyway. And you can call in if you think we're not telling the truth. 888-589-8840. 888-589-8840. We'll get to your phone calls after the next break. We're talking about some contradictions in the LGBTQ movement. And as I mentioned before, you can't say everybody who identifies in that way agrees with everything that the political movement uh, puts forth. But I'm I'm kind of critiquing what you hear in the media from the political movement, people like the or groups like the so-called human rights campaign. They will say things like this, but it's a contradictory position when they say that everybody ought to be tolerant, except they don't have to be tolerant. And of course, the truth is Christians are not commanded to be tolerant. Tolerant Christians are commanded to be loving. And tolerance is too weak. Tolerance says hold your nose and put up with them. Love says reach out and help them. And the way you love people is not to approve of everything they do. I mean, we know this as parents. We don't as parents, approve of everything our children want to do. If we do do that, we're not loving. We have to say, I love you so much, I can't tolerate certain behaviors from you because you are going, you are going to hurt yourself and you're going to hurt others. So if you truly want to be loving, you can't tolerate everything someone does. And the other side doesn't tolerate everything that, that, that we do. They don't tolerate us saying, well, we sorry, we can't participate in your wedding. They don't tolerate that. They sue us for that, <laughs> okay? <laughs> they sue us if they say, well, well, you, you, you have a religious objection? You have a moral objection to same-sex weddings? Well, I'm going to take you to court for that. I'm going to fine you for that. They're not tolerant of our position, but we somehow have to be tolerant, not just tolerant, but celebratory of their position. They'll say discrimination is wrong. One of the most misused words in the English language, discrimination. Well, unjust discrimination is wrong, but not all discrimination is wrong. In fact, all laws discriminate, but they discriminate against behaviors, not people. Every law declares one behavior right and the opposite behavior wrong. Every law declares a certain moral position correct legally and and the opposite wrong legally. And we discriminate against people who want to commit certain acts that we think are harmful to society. But we're not discriminated against them as people. We're not discriminated against a person who commits murder by saying, if you commit murder, we're going to lock you up. We are discriminated against the behavior, but we're not discriminated against the person. The person has made a choice to commit murder. That person is going, that behavior is not going to be tolerated. That person is going to go to jail. And so the same thing is true when it comes to marriage, by the way. We discriminate right now with regard to our marriage laws, even the marriage laws we have now, which are basically genderless marriage. We don't think three people should marry. We don't think a man and a daughter should marry. We discriminate against those behaviors, but no person is being discriminated against. No polygamist is being discriminated against because people aren't really polygamists. That's just a behavior they want to engage in. And we say that behavior is not something that we're going to tolerate as a society. 
And for many years, we only tolerated in terms of recognizing something as marriage as the marriage between a man and a woman, natural marriage. Why? Because the only way to perpetuate and stabilize society is to bring a man and a woman together who can procreate and then nurture children so they can become productive members of society. When the biological two-parent family breaks down, the entire society breaks down, as we've seen over the past 40 years. No-fault divorce brought us that, not same-sex marriage. Same-sex marriage is a a symptom of no-fault divorce. Uh, Heterosexuals have made marriage just about the romantic desires of adults. Well, if marriage is just about the romantic desires of adults, then why not two same-sex people? See? It's the, it's the heterosexuals that have actually degraded marriage, the institution of marriage, to such a point that same-sex marriage just became inevitable. Of course, not inevitable legally, uh, because the Supreme Court decided this, which is, was an illegitimate use of their power, which we'll get to a little bit later. They don't really have the power to do that. Of course, they did it anyway. But the point here is, is that if you make marriage just about the romantic desires of adults, then why not two people? Why not three? Why not four? Why not five? That's where we're heading. But we do discriminate against behaviors, not people. Now, of course, the other side says discrimination is wrong, but then they discriminate against us. They'll say, after all, I can refuse to bake a cake that's against same-sex marriage, but you can't refuse to bake one that's for it. I'll sue if you do. Wait, I thought these these, these so-called same-sex marriage ceremonies were all about love and commitment. They're really not if, if well, I assume for some are, but... If, if people are saying, if you don't participate, I'm going to sue you, how's that about love and commitment? Look, why, if you're having a wedding, a so-called wedding, why would you want anyone there who doesn't agree with it? Why would you want to force somebody to do it? Because it's not really about love and commitment at that point. It's really about trying to force people to see things your way because you just can't bear the fact that somebody disagrees with your behavior. You can't bear. Do you ever notice that in order, do you ever notice that corporations have all sorts of so-called diversity programs. They call it diversity. It's really a monolithic view. See it our way or we'll hurt you. They have all sorts of these diversity programs to try and teach people that two men together are just like a man and a woman together. You never need a course that say a man and a woman together are is, is, is appropriate. No, never need a course for that. You do need a course, though, to try and talk people out of their natural law beliefs that men were designed for women and women were designed for men. You do need a course to do that. You need a course to somehow ferret out the idea and defeat the natural idea that men and women were made for one another in order to get them to believe that it's okay, it doesn't matter what gender is, anybody can get together and we can call this marriage. So the, the contradiction here is the other side will say discrimination is wrong when they're doing the same thing. Uh, another contradiction you'll hear, and this just came out at the Republican National Convention. Uh, basically, the contradiction was there is no gay agenda. In fact, PayPal founder Peter Thiel said at the RNC convention, the Republican National Convention, said, quote, when I was a kid, the great debate was about how to defeat the Soviet Union, and we won. Now we are told the great debate is about who gets to use which bathroom. This is a distraction from our real problems. Who cares? Unquote. Isn't that interesting? Who cares, he says. Except when 
we at PayPal care enough to cancel our business plans in Charlotte because to us it's absolutely a travesty of justice to keep men out of women's bathrooms and showers. Apparently it's not a travesty of justice to PayPal when Islamic countries literally murder gays and transsexuals because, you know, it's business as usual for PayPal in those countries. Do you see the, the contradiction here, or at least the hypocrisy? They're saying there's no gay agenda, no one cares, and yet the very founder of PayPal said that at the Republican National Convention when his company was one of the companies that led the fight and is leading the fight against Charlotte, or against, I should say, against North Carolina, because North Carolina wants to make sure that there aren't men in women's showers and bathrooms. So there, he's saying who cares, but obviously his own company cares. How about this contradiction? It's wrong to accommodate differences between men and women. Here's what the NBA basically said. The NBA said, well, we at the NBA pulled our All-Star game out of Charlotte because it's wrong to acknowledge and accommodate differences between men and women, especially by keeping them in separate restroom and shower facilities. Except when we at the NBA acknowledge and accommodate the differences between men and women by keeping them in separate leagues, restrooms, and shower facilities. You see, they're doing the same thing. They're complaining that North Carolina is doing. They're complaining. They're doing. They set up the WNBA. Why? Because the NBA is just for men. They set up the WNBA, and then they keep men and women in different restrooms and shower facilities. But they're upset that North Carolina is saying that in public facilities, men and women will do exactly what the NBA does. We'll keep men and women separate. Now, the NBA is free to intermingle the leagues, intermingle the bathrooms, because they're a private organization. They can do that. Why would they be so upset with North Carolina when North Carolina has the same basic policy the NBA has? Because it's a big contradiction in the worldview. Here's also what the NBA has basically said. that They said, we're inclusive and diverse. In fact, here, here, here's what they said. We at the NBA made our decision according to, quote, the longstanding core values of our league. These include not only diversity, inclusion, fairness, and respect for others, but also the willingness to listen and consider opposing points of view, unquote. Here's my response. Except when it comes to diversity, inclusion, fairness, and respect for the people of North Carolina who are being excluded because of their diverse and opposing point of view is not respected by us at the NBA. You see, inclusion and diversity to us and other liberals actually means exclusion for those who don't agree with our approved views. Whoops, there goes diversity. See, it's not really diversity they're interested in. They're interested in one particular viewpoint, and if you don't share that viewpoint, you're excluded. That's not diversity, friends. But of course, you know, you can see the NBA's point. It's completely unreasonable for North Carolinans to want to keep biological men out of women's shower facilities like we at the NBA do. After all, what could possibly go wrong? In order to rectify the situation, we at the NBA should move the game to New Orleans, a city with the same exact laws as Charlotte. That'll show everyone that we stand on principle. Now, of course, I'm making up that last part. That's not a quote from them, but that's basically what they're talking about doing. They're talking about going to, to New Orleans, who has the same laws we do. And by the way, the NBA scheduled the game in Charlotte when Charlotte had the same laws, and North Carolina had the same laws when they scheduled the NBA All-Star game, the same bathroom laws as they have now under HB2. All HB2 did 
is it it overruled the illegitimate law passed by the Charlotte City Council. It just put things back to the way they were. And it said that all these policies are going to be consistent across the state in public facilities. Private facilities, the NBA can do whatever they want. They can do, have any bathroom policy they want, but in public facilities, biological men will go to the men's room and biological women will go to the women room, women's room. Now, why are all these contradictions? Well, the truth is not the principle that the LGBTQ movement and their allies stand on. Truth is what corresponds to reality. And if anything obviously corresponds to reality is that men and women are different. Humanity would not exist without those differences. They are not mere preferences. They are built into the very biological nature of the sexes. Now, unfortunately, the LGBTQ apologists are not concerned with the inherent contradictions in their positions. They are not on a truth quest or on a happiness quest. You see, truth is being suppressed, sometimes intentionally and sometimes unintentionally, because it gets in the way of what they find attractive, what they perceive that will make them happy. I mean, this is understandable. In fact, I must admit that all of us are apt to suppress the truth on occasion to get what we think we want. Most of our problems are self-inflicted and exacerbated by our unwillingness to follow the truth where it leads. What we're going to do after the break is get to some of your phone calls at 888 You're listening to Frank Turek on the Cross-Examined Radio Program on the American Family Radio Network. We're back in two minutes. Don't go away. Here's parenting expert John Roseman, host of the American Family Radio Program, Because I Said So. Raising children is uncomplicated. As long as you're not listening to psychologists, that is. And by the way, I happen to be a psychologist. But one who thinks my field has created more problems than psychologists even know how to solve. John Roseman shares Bible-based parenting and family advice. Saturday afternoon at 5 Central. It's Because I Said So on American Family Radio. Hello, friend. I'm Pastor Ron Jones, and I'm glad to tell you something good has come to American Family Radio. Something Good is a daily half-hour Bible teaching program that I'm hosting at 6.30 p.m. Central Time. In a world full of so much bad news, we're glad to bring you Something Good. Learn more at somethinggoodradio.org. That's somethinggoodradio.org. The Pocket Testament League presents Pocket Power. Read, carry, and share the gospel every day. Our small group at church made a commitment to spread the word as often as we can, and your booklet will help us out so much. I've already given one out, and I was so impressed at how easy it is to share the good news. This is Mike Brickley, president of the Pocket Testament League. League members have found that any place is a good place to share a pocket gospel with someone they meet. Join us, and you'll always be ready. Is there anything more important? Recently, my brother passed on. We took a number of the gospel books and put them on the table at his funeral. When we went to gather up what was left, a lot of them had been taken. One was given to a friend of my brother's. He read it and was led to the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. What are you waiting for? Read, carry, and share the gospel every day. For more information, call 1-800-636-8785 or visit pocketpower.org. That's pocketpower.org. If you're low on the FM dial looking for national public radio, go no further. We're actually going to tell you the truth here. I can guarantee you this. You're not going to have this kind of discussion on NPR. They're too politically correct. We are politically incorrect. In fact, we'd rather be correct 
rather than politically correct, and you're listening to Cross-Examined with Frank Turek and the American Family Radio Network. The website's crossexamined.org. i got to mention that uh, the next, let's see, what's today? Uh, today's Saturday. Next week, I'm going to be out in uh, San Jose for an event on, San Jose, California, uh, for an event on uh, Saturday night. And I'm not, not exactly sure if that's open to the public, but it'll be on our website here soon, so check that out. What is open to the public is the next day, I am going to be at South Valley Community Church, both in Gilroy and Hollister. Now, this, for those of you who don't know, it's uh, just south of uh, San Jose, say half hour, 45 minutes, uh, with traffic, seven hours. Uh, no, it's <laughs> actually not that far. Gilroy, the uh, the garlic capital of the world, great place. South Valley Community Church, speaking uh, two services, or actually, I think three services, uh, one in Gil- two in Gilroy and one in Hollister, and then an evening service. That's next Sunday. Can you believe it's August already? August 7th, that'll be. Man, this time is flying, ladies and gentlemen. Anyway, uh, so that's where we're going to be next week out in California. And then the, the month after that, in September, we got two California Fearless Faith events. You need to check those out. Uh, one is in Northridge, another's up near Sacramento. They're all on the website, uh, September 9th and 10th, and September 16th and 17th. And then after that, uh, going to be in Kansas, debating Jeffrey Lauder of uh, Internet Infidels on Does God Exist out at Washburn University. That's mid-September. App State in September as well. A lot coming up, so check all that out. Okay, today we're talking about contradictions in the LGBTQ movement. And uh, let me point one thing out uh, for those of you who have been listening and going, oh, yeah, but there's, there's apparent contradictions in Christianity, true, uh, too. We've talked about some of those alleged contradictions in Christianity. We're, we're not going there today. But if you're thinking that way, well, first of all, maybe you're right. Maybe there are contradictions that you know, we, need to, we need to evaluate. But don't go there. Just say this. Deal with the contradictions I'm talking about here in this particular worldview. Don't, don't say, well, your view has contradictions too. Well, it might, but that's irrelevant to the point we're making here today. What we're making here today is the fact that these are contradictory positions that many in the LGBTQ movement make. And we, I just mentioned that many suppress the truth to go their own way. And I, I pointed out that a lot of us do. We suppress the truth to get what we want. Now, suppressed truth, unfortunately, has terrifying implications because power rather than reason is the currency of influence for those unwilling to follow the truth. If you don't think so, just try and begin to articulate a rational case against LGBTQ political goals. You won't get any rationality back, just hysterical cries that you should be forcibly shut up because you're the next Hitler. That's what we see out of many in the LGBTQ movement, from the bullying by the misnamed human rights campaign on corporate and sports America, all the way to the United States Supreme Court, who has ignored its oath to uphold the true meaning of the Constitution. Now, the HRC bullying is bad enough, but the illegitimate use of power by the court is even worse. Five lawyers adopted legislative power a year ago from the bench to impose their own political views on over 300 million Americans. Along the way... They charged opponents of their views with, quote, animus against homosexuals. Animus. Animus. That's not true. But even if it was, why does the court think that voter motivation, even if it's motivated by animus, has anything to do with constitutionality? What does that have to do with the Constitution? You can have good reasons or bad reasons. You can have good motives or bad motives to vote on something. That doesn't make what's voted on constitutional or unconstitutional. You see, here's what you do. When you're short on reason, you impugn, impugn the motives and call people names. You call them in bigot, you call, you call them bigots, you call them intolerant, you say they have animus. 
rather than dealing with the facts, dealing with the arguments. In fact, when your position isn't true, you can hide behind the contradictions by yelling louder and bullying all opponents, as many in the LGBTQ movement are doing. Regardless of your political party, I think it's time to stand up to the bullies with truth. If you don't, those with increasing power will use it someday to shut you up on something you care about. Then the liberty championed in the Constitution will have ended for you, too. That's where we're heading. Now, folks, much of what I'm I'm talking about on this particular broadcast will be in a column this coming week. Look for it at townhall.com or look for it on our website, crossexamine.org. Also, the stream, stream stream.org is a great website. It should be up there as well. It's going to be called Contradictions in the LGBTQ Movement. So check that out. And again, as I mentioned at the top of the program, doesn't mean everybody who identifies that way agrees with these contradictions or or agrees with or puts forth these contradictory positions, but many do, and that's why I'm pointing them out, okay? Now, uh, we'll get to your phone calls, 888-589-8840, if you'd like to talk about this issue. And uh, let's start, who's been waiting the longer, longest here? That would be Ben in Louisiana. Ben, you're on with Frank Turico. Right ahead, sir. Ben, you hey, there? Hey, thank you for taking my call. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Go uh, ahead. Thank you for taking my call. Um uh, I've been listening to your show. Uh, pick you up when I'm driving here close to East Texas. Um, you know, one of the things that, that that I've been sharing, and and I'm the most politically incorrect person, just right off the bat, be ready. But is that emotions in the Christian community and the LGBT? Now they add a Q to it, whatever. Emotions lead people astray so quickly. Yes. You know, Jesus said we must be about our Father's business. This is a business. Emotions should not be involved. And, and I make it a point, even when I'm moved by compassion to talk to someone or to minister or to help, to give, I don't see that as an emotional movement, but a compassion. The spirit of compassion moves me to say or do something. And I love to debate for the sake of debating, but I think Christians sometimes, we get so emotional, and it becomes a yelling contest, and nothing gets accomplished. Yeah, you get a lot more heat heat than light when that happens, Ben, and that's why a book like uh, Greg Kokel's Tactics book is so helpful. You have to ask questions rather than get emotional with people. When people say something, it's not your job to refute what they say. It's their job to support what they say. So if they call you a name or, or they get annoyed with you, you say, they say they call you bigot. You say, what do you mean by bigotry? What does that mean? And how did you come to that conclusion? As soon as they try and answer those questions, they're going to be in trouble because their own definition of bigotry is that they don't agree with you or you don't agree with them. Well, then that would follow that they're bigots for not agreeing with you, which, of course, isn't the right definition of the word. But they're actually calling you a bigot without even knowing your position or why you hold your position, I should say. And that, if that's not the definition of bigotry, I don't know what is. That's judging something without having the facts. It's prejudging something. So they're doing exactly what they claim that you are doing. That's the contradiction that they have in their worldview or another one of those contradictions uh, that they have in your worldview. Now, also your point about following reason rather than emotion, a very good sign of maturity is that you follow reason rather than emotion immature people follow emotion rather than reason and reason makes life safe emotion make may make life delicious and we you know we don't want to get rid of all emotion obviously but if your emotion isn't tethered to reason that's when you can make some very bad decisions that will hurt yourself and others so a mature person bases their decisions on reason 
less on emotion, whereas an immature person will do the exact opposite. They'll make these emotional decisions, and they turn out to be dangerous decisions or harmful decisions. Thanks for your call, Ben. i got to keep moving. Let me go to, uh, let's see, he's been waiting longer, uh, Marie. And uh, I guess you're in Louisiana. Is that right, Marie? Yes, I am. Can you hear me? Yes, ma'am. Go right ahead. You're on with Frank Turek. Okay, thanks. Thank you again for taking my call. I have a situation with my son who is in that community, Mm -hmm. and um, he broke up with a girlfriend for being accused of sleeping with the same sex, and Mm -hmm. they broke up, and it's now, you know, friends, but I don't want to get into too many details. The question is, um, how do you help your son when he's asking you to help this type of person who's not a relative, but yet he is trying to go with another person, you know, and you're, you're confused. Do you help this person even though they're not related to you and that you don't agree with their situation that they're in, you know, because a lot of things are involved, illegal actions. And, but you want to love your neighbor. That is the second commandment. Well, I'm, I, love I'm, your I'm, as yourself. right. I'm, I'm not sure all you know? the details here, Marie. I'm not. Tr- I'm trying to figure out who you're referring to uh, and what's going on. But generally, uh, what you want to do, and I think if your son is involved in the LGBTQ movement, one thing that my first pastor said, which I thought was very insightful, is he said to his his children, he said, "There's nothing you can do that will make me stop loving you." Now that doesn't mean that I'm going to approve of everything you want to do. In fact, I would be unloving if I did approve of everything you wanted to do. It's because I love you that I don't want you to get involved in that type of behavior because it's going to hurt you and it's going to hurt others and it's going to pull you further away from God as well. So I think you should try and help all people as best that you can, whether whether they're related to you or not. But that doesn't mean approving of their behavior. In fact, if you truly do want to help somebody, uh, you have to be welcoming to them, but not necessarily their behavior. So if you're trying to help somebody, you can't just wag your finger at them. I know you're not doing this. I'm just saying you can't just wag your finger at them and say, well, I think what you're doing is evil or sinful or whatever. Well, that, that's not going to help anybody. Uh, you have to say it more tactfully than that. I don't agree with the behavior that you want to engage in, but... I love you so much that I want to tell you I don't agree with it. And, in fact, it might not even be something that you want to associate with your own. It's not. In fact, let me, let me put it this way, Marie. I was at the University of Michigan a few months back, and I got asked the question, what do you think about homosexual behavior? And I said, it doesn't matter what I think about it. I mean, I'm not the moral arbiter here. I didn't create the universe. My nature isn't the standard of goodness. What matters is what God thinks about it. And here's what God does think about it. So you can kind of separate yourself from the issue because you're not really the person. You're not the judge. You're just you're just a, you're just acknowledging what the ultimate judge has already said. And the reason God is against certain behaviors is because they are harmful to people, both emotionally, physically, medically, biologically, psychologically, spiritually. They're harmful to people. The behaviors are. Regardless of whether people are born with a feeling or not, the behaviors themselves are harmful. And so as a loving person, you want to stand against the behavior in order to love the person you want to do that. Does that make sense? I have I have stated that on several occasions in which 
which I wish I would have a nickel for every time I'd be rich woman, you know. But what I'm saying is I don't want to enable this that's person right. that he wants to help, you know. Yes. And that's what I told him. She's not related to me. But, um, you know, I would consider if I wasn't so busy. We had a funeral going on. We were out of town after the funeral to take care of some business. And I said, tell her to call a cab. He she didn't want to call an ambulance because she didn't have the money. All right, Marie, Marie, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm up against a hard break. I appreciate the call. Maybe we can flesh out the details on another program. Thank you so much. And just, just love people as best you can. It doesn't mean approving of everything they do. All right, friends, I'm back in just two minutes. 888-589-8840. 888-589-8840 if you want to be on the program. Back in two. Have you ever been driving in an unfamiliar area? Well, nowadays we have GPS to guide us, but our own sense of direction can often be wrong. Turning the way that looks right often takes us on a journey going in circles, and before we know it, we're utterly lost. Maybe that drive is a little bit like your life, going in circles but with no one to point the way out. You feel lost, confused, and scared, and don't know which way to turn. Could it be you're trying to run your life without God? God calls that sin, and no matter how many good things we do, the wall of sin hopelessly separates us from God. If we die with that wall of sin, it's there forever. But here's the great news. Jesus said to follow him, and he'll tear down that wall of sin in your life. Forgiveness can be yours if you choose it. To learn more about how Jesus can forgive you, just call 888-NEED-HIM. 888-NEED-HIM. This is Max Lakato. When my daughters were small, they would occasionally cry out in the middle of the night. The wind would brush a branch against a window, or they'd hear a noise in the street. They'd shout, Daddy! And I would do what all daddies do, tell their mother. Just kidding. <laughs> I'd walk down the hall and step into their room. When I did, the atmosphere changed. Strange noises, odd sounds, didn't matter. Daddy was here. You need to know this. Your Father is here. Here is the Commander, here with His heavenly hosts. And this is the promise God gives to you. He is with you. He is in charge of it all and has the final word on everything. All authority has been given to Him. He needs only to lift a finger and thousands upon thousands of mighty angels will respond to His call. This is Max Locato. Cross-examined with Frank Turek on American Family Radio Network. Today we're talking about contradictions of the LGBTQ movement. And we've been through several of them already. You'll have to go back and listen to the rest of the program or the previous uh, three segments if you want to. You're just tuning in now. It'll be available in podcast by Monday. And uh, it'll be up on our app, the Cross-Examined app, which, by the way, if you don't have the app, you ought to download it. Over 100,000 people have downloaded it. It not only has all of the podcasts, all of these radio programs, right there in a menu format, so you can look it up by, by the guest I have on or by the subject or by the date. It also... Uh, has uh, our TV program airing live on Monday nights at 9 Eastern and 1 a.m. Eastern if you're an insomniac. You can watch it right over the app. Uh, and uh, it this radio program, uh, by the way, is aired live as well. It's broadcast live right over the app. So uh, if for some reason you're 
you're out of radio range, and you can listen to it right over the app, the Cross-Examined app. Two words in the App Store, Cross-Examined. Check it out. Two words, Cross-Examined, downloaded today. Okay, contradictions in the LGBTQ movement. Uh, let's get your perspective on it at 888-589-8840, 888-589-8840. Wesley in Alabama is on the phone. Wesley, you're on with Frank Turek. Go right ahead. Hello, Frank. How you doing, sir? Uh, I love your show. I love listening to your programs on YouTube. Uh, uh, are you ever coming to South Alabama? Uh, as long as you invite me. Yeah. <laughs> we, we we work on invitations, Wesley. So uh, yeah, if anyone ever wants a uh, myself or another one of our speakers to come uh, to your church or your college, your university, uh, just contact us uh, right off the website crossexamined.org. You'll see contact us, and uh, we'll get back to you. Uh, but we don't just show up and on a street corner with a soapbox. We <laughs> we have to get invited. So uh, just give us an invitation. As mentioned earlier, uh, right. the last segment, I'll be in California next year, or next year, next week, uh, in Gilroy, California. All the details are on the website. So check it out. What's your... I've got to work on that. Yeah, My yeah absolutely. My comment is these people that push these, this homosexual agenda, it's, it's not that they don't want to judge. They don't want you to judge them. That's right. I it's mean, a contradictory. It's a contradictory point to say don't judge, and yet yeah. they're judging you for judging, and they're doing the same thing. It's impossible not to make judgments in politics because in politics you you God create certain the, laws God which. Us to judge all things. God well, says, consider yourself with wisdom toward outsiders, making the most of the opportunity. You've got mm-hmm. to be ready to call the shot. Where? Uh, which? Uh, which? Uh, passage are you quoting wesley i think it's uh colossians 4 5 it okay says, conduct yourself with wisdom toward outsiders making mm-hmm. the most of the opportunity you've got Absolutely. to be ready mm-hmm. to say yeah. what you know and what you believe and they want you to shut up that's true. It is true. And as I mentioned, in politics, everybody's making judgments. Everybody has a position that they want to impose on the entire society. That's what the lawmaking process does. So the question isn't whether or not you make judgments. The question is, are your judgments true and right? The question isn't whether or not you're going to legislate morality. The question is, whose morality? And my point is, I, I don't want to legislate my morality, and I don't want you to legislate your morality. I want us to legislate the morality. The morality that Thomas Jefferson said was self-evident, the morality the Apostle Paul said is written on our hearts, the moral law, which is consistent with God's nature, it's derived from God's nature, those are the moral laws that we ought to be legislating. Not my version of it or your version of it, but the moral point of view. In fact, when people say that, you know, don't impose your morals on me, I always say, well, why not? Would that be immoral? You see, because you're imposing your morals on me right now. You're saying I ought not impose my morals when your position is that you ought not impose morals, and you're imposing that position on me right now, which is a moral position. I know that can give you intellectual constipation if you think about it long enough, but that's because it's a contradictory position. Everybody's trying to impose morality. And when people say, don't impose your morality, I say, look, I didn't make this stuff up. This is not my morality. I didn't make up the fact that murder is wrong, that theft is wrong, that rape is wrong, that men were made for women and women were made for men, and that the only way to perpetuate and stabilize society is to promote one sexual relationship 
above all others, and that's marriage between a man and a woman. I didn't make any of this up. This is just the way reality is. This is just the way babies come about. They come about when men and women get together, and good citizens come about when men and women stay together and nurture those children till they become good citizens. This isn't my morality. It's just the morality. And Wesley, as you also mentioned, or let me let me add to what you said, Jesus says in John 7, 24, he says, stop Stop judging by mere appearances and make a right judgment. So you're absolutely right. Everybody is making judgments. The only question is, are your judgments sound? Are they good judgments? Thanks for the call, Wesley. Let me move on to Dean in Kansas. Dean, you're on with Frank Turek. Go right ahead, sir. Yes, thank you for taking my call. I was listening yes, to your program, and and uh, you brought out an interesting point of the intolerance or tolerance, just depending on which direction that you're going. And uh, it made a, it made a thought come to me about the, the parallel that that draws between uh, Islam mm-hmm. and and also uh, Democrats. In what or, regard? What do you mean? You want to call well, there's a parallel because they're both also intolerant of of our positions. Oh, Islam of co- is intolerant of Christians' positions. Of course. But they want us to be tolerant of their positions. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, tolerance is a one-way so street. <laughs> for them. Yeah. And it seems like it seems like that's just kind of a, a parallel forming here between these groups. Uh the groups that are what we consider as Christians uh evil and and the and the true the true state is that there is a war between good and evil. Yeah, well, what, what we do as Christians, Dean, is, is we consider the behavior evil. evil. We don't consider the people evil. As Paul says, we, right. we don't fight against flesh and blood. We fight against the principalities of right. darkness. So what they want to do is evil, but we pray for our enemies, and we want them to know the saving power of Jesus Christ. So we pray, pray for them and hope that they will see that, and hopefully we can be vessels of Christ. We can be ambassadors for him. We can provide them with an example. We can lead them to Christ that's what we hope to do, but we don't want to label people necessarily as evil. We want to label their behaviors as evil no. because they are. And by the way, that's the same well, thing as the uh, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. You could say the movement is is trying to put forth evil behaviors. You can say that, but the people aren't the evil. No, it's the behaviors no, that we they were, want to engage in that are. What's we were that? Taught as young Christians that you love the sinner but hate mm-hmm. the sin. Right. And the only way to really do that is to stand against the evil that people want to promote and say it's a good thing. They'll want to. Pr- you have to promote my same-sex marriage. They'll say. They'll say that, that 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 you have to do that. First of all, that's a moral position. Secondly, it's imposed morality. Thirdly, they don't give us the same courtesy uh, when we say. Uh, if we were to come to them and say, we want you to make up, if you're a t-shirt maker, anti-gay marriage t-shirts, they're going to say, no, I'm not going to do that. But if they were to come to us and say, we want you to make pro-gay marriage t-shirts, and we said no, they'd take us to court. See, I mean, it's it's just a one-way street. And every worldview, every worldview has some moral position that they're trying to think or they're trying to say is the right moral position. Again, the only question is, which is the right moral position? And I think that's self-evident. Right. But people will suppress the truth well, to go their own way. I'm sorry, go ahead, there's Dean. Another, there's another little issue that I kind of, mm-hmm. I think, that plays into this. That a lot of people I haven't heard state this. But when you hear politicians constantly always saying in the past, we can't legislate morality. 
but they that's, just legislated immorality. Yeah, that, that's well, that's all you can legislate is morality. All laws declare one behavior right and opposite behavior wrong. The only question is whose morality? Yes, and they legislated immorality, so why can't we have morality legislated? <laughs> that's right. Yes, you can have bad laws that... And, and we've had many bad laws in our country in the past with regard to slavery and those kinds of laws, that Jim Crow laws. That those are all bad laws. That's legislation of immorality. And in my view, and I think it's self-evident, when you are legislating that certain people um, get special rights over other people, uh, that's an immoral point of view. And, 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 and when, you, when you are saying that, say, people who identify as LGBTQ have rights that the rest of the organ the, the rest of the people don't have you know they have the right to force us to do their weddings but we don't have any right to force them to do anything not that we would want to i'm just pointing out that this is this tolerance thing is a one-way street it's a complete one-way street and unless christians and other people of conscience begin to stand up to this uh we're going to lose many of our freedoms and at one point at some point we're not going to be able to preach the gospel and, and so, uh, friends, and by the way, Dean, thanks for your call. Um, friends, if you don't think politics are important, you don't think the gospel is important. Why? Because politics affects your ability to preach the gospel, at least legally anyway. You know, you, there's no American family radio. There's no, there's no North Korean family radio. There's no Chinese Christian radio. If there is, it's all illegal. Why? Because politically, those countries have ruled out what we're doing right now on this radio network and they've ruled out what you do in church on sunday and they've ruled out how you live your christian life you can't even have a church in saudi arabia why because politically they've ruled it out don't tell me politics are not important they're important to the gospel how do you spread the gospel legally if the government has made spreading the gospel illegal that's the only way you can do it is illegally. It's a lot easier to do it legally, friends. So we have to be engaged politically for no other reason to protect life and to protect religious freedom so we can preach the gospel. And if you don't think so, if you don't think they're important, if you don't think politics is important, go to some of the countries I've been to, Iran, Iran Saudi Arabia, China. Again, you can't do what we're doing right now in those countries because politically they ruled it out. All right, friends, check out this podcast when it's up on Monday. Check out the column coming this week on this topic, Contradictions of the LGBTQ Movement. And next week we'll have another exciting and insightful program, I hope anyway, pray we do, right here on the American Family Radio Network. I'm Frank Turk. Check out the website, crossexamine.org. See you next week. God bless. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast do not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.